Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal! You're my boy, boo! Yo, Adrian! I A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah! TV. Nice! Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Angela, thank you all for joining me today on Press Day. Uh, well, nice to meet you. Thank you for joining us. Excited times, my friend. You have a, a new movie coming out uh, December 1st, How the Gringles Stole Christmas, uh, VOD, theater, digital, all over the place. Uh, how does that make you feel for the holidays? You know, uh, making a film is short of a miracle. And this was no different. And to be here talking to you about it, I feel like I want to wake up from the dream. But it is definitely the best. It's going to be the best Christmas I ever had, let's say. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I had the, uh, the opportunity to watch uh, watch it last night. I love these family type of Christmas movies, the humor, the joking around, everything. Like for as a director for you, like how does it, what are you hoping for when they tune in to watch this? What are you hoping they get out of this film? Uh, number one, a good laugh. Because you don't have George Lopez for, you know. Yeah. Just to have George Lopez, you want to have a good laugh. And the rest of the cast... I try to make it as funny and as complimentary to, to him as possible. So that's number one. Two is definitely a family movie. So, you know, I have a daughter, uh, all my families all have kids, and it's just hard to find something to watch together, right, uh, with, with a family that is not just pandering to children. And uh, and and three, you actually have a look at how silly it is, how quick we are to, to find reasons to reject each other. Mm. So I think in this day and age, where everybody's trying to find, you know, their team to fight against the other team. Um, perhaps little films like this tells you, now we're all in it together. And it's kind of silly what you're doing. So having the reverse situation where the the white man in his own country is the foreigner in this family and having to fit in, perhaps it highlights the absurdity of rejection. Mm-hmm. How did this, uh, I'm curious, how did this script fall in your lap? And when you read through it, what went through your mind? So I was, this is a long time ago. I was about a decade ago. I was finishing From Prada to Nada for Lionsgate. And the executive producer, uh, Lisa Elsie, who I knew from Ridley Scott's company, where I was doing commercials, had just joined Lionsgate and said, Angel, you got to check this out. It's hilarious. You have to look at this thing. So as I was finishing from Prada to Nada, this landed on my lap. And when I read it, it was laugh out loud. Then I met the writer, Ezequiel Martinez, who is a, a born and raised Chicano from East LA and wrote about his experience. So this is actually based on true situations wow. and characters and friends and family and the neighbors. And so, and of course, as a foreigner, everywhere I go, I identify with the aspect of, you know, and I always wanted to poke fun uh at our existence as uh, Latinos living in this country, where you can be, you can be Chinese or Italian living in this country or any other country that is not your, your, your country of birth, and uh, but any chance to to have a laugh at that, and have a social commentary hidden behind the comedy, I read that in every page, and I just been wanting to make it, but it's very difficult. Back then, even more so, to make a Latin theme uh, movie of this kind, it's a little perhaps easier now, but a lot of things need to lighten up for that to happen. So the moon and the stars, you know. So while filming this, and you said it was written by Ezekiel also, uh, how was it collaborating with them? And did you get, 
bounce ideas off each other, change something, add something. We went through the whole process with that. Well, in this particular case, the writer's strike oh, happened. And and the actor's strike was about to happen. So I was squeezed between a window of three weeks to wow. shoot the film uh, right before the day where SAG strike was supposed to start uh, with no writer on board. Mm-hmm. So what I had to do... Um, in a situation where it's like take it or leave it is to embrace the moment and then allow for myself with the actors to modify things as needed. You always have to modify the script to fit an actor or to fit what you can or cannot afford to do for certain circumstances of reality of production. So what I had to do was pretty much work with the characters, I mean, the actors to represent the characters in those in those parameters. And that was an, a daily ongoing thing of tweaking and adjusting to make it work while respecting the story and the characters. The foundation has to be good in order for you to play with those variables. You mentioned the casting, everything you mentioned, like even George Lopez earlier. How did the casting process go? Was there specific people you were trying to get or look for for this project? The uh, you know, casting a movie is another miracle because finding people available, uh, you know, uh, who would accept certain scripts, certain times, certain offers, you know, it's a very challenging thing that you know, it's like you feel like you're never gonna get it all done. So, after we went through the process on the 11th hour, it's like, oh, look, it looks like now we have the perfect cast. So, in a way. You try to get the right people at the right place, and then you have to adjust. I remember Tony Scott telling me once, it's just, it's like building a family that needs to belong together, even if they're weird and odd at each other. And, uh, and uh, but it needs to somehow make sense in that context. And I, I would say there's a bit of luck involved in, in landing the right parts on this one. So when I watch it, I'm going, oh yeah, yeah, that it could have, not work with the other guy, you know, because that one complements this one, complements the other one. So, so it's, it's it's a it's actually a learning curve for myself, as I haven't made that many movies, right? I do, you know, TV commercials for a living, but you always try to find the right characters that make sense, even in a thirty second spot. So so this turned out to be pitch perfect, and uh, but there's a bit of luck involved in what randomly actually happened to come together with the right people. Mm-hmm. How did it feel working with George Lopez? Uh, and, uh, and he, did you give him any advice? He give you any advice while you're filming this? You never give George Lopez advice. <laughs> so, now, not because he's a bad guy, because I wouldn't dare, right? I'm like, I'm a fan of this guy. Uh, I admire his comedy, his sense of humor, his social commentary. And once I have him on, I want to know how you want to do this. You know, mm. How would you like to play this? And when he looks at me and he goes, how do you want me to do this? I want to say, however you want, <laughs> action. And, uh, you know, but to be serious, pretty much that's the underlying theme. It's like, we have to do this. We have to do that. We go from here to here. And then he starts playing it. But I want you to do it your way, mm. you know? So then he plays it immediately his way. And if you allow creatives like him to cut loose and improvise on top of it, yeah. You're gonna get gold. The difficulty is getting it in time and and schedule. But he's so good and fast because he's trained on TV as well. So 
he's going to give you the goods very quickly. So you can do three, four takes and move on without, you know, wasting an hour, you know, rewriting things. Right. I know we can't talk about, I don't want to talk about spoilers and everything, but like the way this movie left off and everything, can you see yourself doing a sequel or continuation with the storyline? Definitely. I think that uh, I would want myself to know what happens next. <laughs> and uh, uh, there's a, there's a line that uh, Lopez improvised. I don't know if he made it to the movie where he says uh, at the end, why do you see what we do for Christmas? Uh, I know for New Year's, what do you see what we do for New Year's? So it's like, you, you know, you can see how this thing can just go from different holidays onwards right. in, in that's different what I, directions. That's what I was thinking when I was watching. That's why I asked this question. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> obviously the inevitable when you have a family like this and those elements come together, you're about, right. this is not the end. This is the beginning. Right. Right. Angel, this was great. Uh, thank you for giving me a few minutes today. Uh, December 1st, uh, how the Gringo stole Christmas, uh, theater, VOD and digital. Thank you again. Thank you very much. It was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day, everybody. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Until next time.